This is IT Visionaries, your number one source for actionable insights and exclusive interviews with CIOs, CTOs, and CISOs, and many more. I'm your host, Albert Chow, a former CIO, former sales VP, and now podcast host. Kajabi is special because I describe it not as a courses product. I describe it as a platform that allows you to monetize your knowledge. So it could be courses, could be coaching, could be podcasts. You can do a bunch of things with it. So Kajabi, I would say, is the only all-in-one platform on the market right now with everything that you need to succeed as an entrepreneur. Starting a new creative venture can often seem like just too big of a gamble to take on. But what if there existed a tool designed to help entrepreneurs minimize their risk and monetize their creativity? Mahesh Guruswamy is the CTO of Kajabi, a multifaceted online business platform that empowers entrepreneurs, experts, and influencers with the tools they need for success. Tune in to hear more about the innovative practices that Mahesh has carried over with him from his time working at Amazon and Smartsheet. You can also learn how his engineering team has helped scale the platform during a tremendous time of growth. Full transparency, Mission will be using Kajabi soon to do our own podcast course, and I personally will be using it for a housing course. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of IT Visionaries. And today we have a special guest. His name is Mahesh Guruswamy. He is the CTO of a company called Kajabi. If you're not familiar with Kajabi, it is an industry-leading all-in-one platform designed for creators who teach courses. It's currently, it's been around since 2010, if you haven't heard of it. It's, these are the facts I got. It's empowering over 50,000 knowledge entrepreneurs. I'm about to be one of them, and we'll get to that in just a moment, across 120 countries, 60 million students, and it helps these educators generate $3.9 billion in sales. It's a massive company. If you've never heard of it, Mahesh, let's start right here. What is making Kajabi so special that allows these creators to do what they're doing? So two, two corrections. We actually crossed $4 billion Oh, okay. <laughs> in GMB, like money generated by creators. Uh, and also we're above 60,000 users on the platform. Hey now. So I think Kajabi is special because I describe it not as a, uh, a courses product. I describe it as a, a platform that allows you to monetize your knowledge. Mm. So it could be courses, could be coaching, could be podcasts, could be, you know, you just have a landing page. You want to, you know, gather leads. You can do a bunch of things with it. So Kajabi, is, I would say, is the only all-in-one platform on the market right now with everything that you need to succeed as an entrepreneur. And we've been in the business the longest. We have the most customers. We have generated the most dollars for our customers. So if your audience is thinking about like becoming a creator, becoming a coach, becoming a course creator, you should, you should pick Kajabi. Okay. So now, like I gave in my intro, I myself am going to start a real estate Kajabi for myself. But now I'm thinking, uh, just so you know, Mission is going to launch a course about how to build branded podcasts. I know Kajabi already has one, mm-hmm. but it sounds like we should run it on Kajabi too. Uh, but- oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there's a track record of success. There is financial success. There's customer success, proving social proof that the product is potentially the, you know, let's just say it is, that is the best product in the industry. Mm-hmm. In your opinion, what makes it this way? Because you're you're the CTO, so you're engineering for creators. What is it that you guys are building so special that allows them to, 
I guess, do this easily. I'm assuming it's easy because that's I, I always think that if I'm a real estate guy, like I don't want to mess with software. That's just me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, and I'll try to answer this without putting our competitors down. Yeah. So, A, as I mentioned before, we have everything you need to succeed as an entrepreneur, as a knowledge creator, as a content creator. But the things that I am super proud of it because I'm in engineering, I run the engineering department, is the amount of effort we put into making the platform secure, reliable, mm. scalable. You know, we're, we're processed like $4 billion through the platform. Uh, and I might have my numbers wrong, but I think it's more than Patreon, I think. Um, <laughs> That's insane. So the, and we have, you know, we spend a ton of time in making sure that we enable our customers' success. For our customers, like dollars they generate through their courses, through their creations, is paramount to their livelihood in certain cases. So we take it very seriously when we have money flowing through a platform to make sure that um, that is like seamless. If something does go wrong, we have on-call support 24 by 7. My engineers get paged, I get paged. Uh, we have invested a ton of effort in uh, the security side of the things too. We have a full security team. <laughs> Patreon laid off its security team. I don't think we'll ever do that. Uh, so I think outside of the fact that we, you know, we have the most institutional knowledge in enabling our customer success, we have also coupled that with a scalable, reliable platform. And I can get into that you know, if, if you want to. Yeah. Give us an idea why scalability matters, because, you know, I think you, we, we kind of said it like 60 million students, like it is bananas. Like that is a, that is a, that's a lot of people learning a lot of different things. Like you said. No, for <laughs> sure. For sure. For sure. Because we want, we want to be able to, we don't want any customer to outgrow us per se. Mm. So if a customer has, let's say you start out, right. You have uh, a thousand customers right now. Next month, next year, you have 100,000 customers, like a million customers. Uh, we don't want you to churn out because, you know, Kajabi is like a smaller platform for you to like build on. Um, so we have designed our systems to take in like 10x the volume we get right now. Um, and we did, a, we have invested in this platform. So I've been here for about two plus years. We have migrated the entire platform into Amazon's web services. We have spent... We spent a bunch of money with Amazon because we want to be on the, <laughs> the most scalable platform on the planet. We have, I would argue that, you know, we have invested the most in, in the critical pieces um, that power customer success. For example, emails. You don't have to choose active campaign. You don't have to choose whatever other tool is out there to send emails, manage your contact. Yeah. You can do it right through Kajabi. And I think it's my guilty pleasure to look at the sender deliverability scores of emails, because I want to make sure our transactional score is, uh, sender score is 98, which is one of the like best in the industry. And our marketing transactional score is like 88 something, which is also like really, really, really good. So we've invested a ton of effort into making sure that the platform works for customers and also grows with them as they scale up. So which is why I feel, you know, once you like join, once you see success, uh, it is, it's a fact right now, like, people don't churn out. Like when they join and they start making money, you know, it's like people stick around. Yeah. So that's our goal, like to make sure to, we can cater to every spectrum of creators and where they are in the journey. There you go. So when you mentioned something that I, I got to highlight is you, the way you talked about email and I'm going to, cause I'm going to ask you about other 
features of the of the platform. Sure. Yeah. You know, you hit on it similar to the CTO of Mailchimp. Prior to him, Eric Muntz, prior to into um, excuse me, Mailchimp being acquired by Intuit, he was on our show and talking about ESPs. A lot of people tout sends. He's like deliverability is actually the number one metric because it doesn't matter how many emails you send; it matters how many emails the customers receive. That that's exactly right. And you hit on it just like that. And so when you think of the different parts of Kajabi, because Kajabi is, and you might need to help our audience go through this a little bit, because it's actually many products together. So I, I, and I want to disclose this part about this. So I personally do real estate on the side. I was thinking about starting a real estate course with my mm-hmm. business partner who I do real estate with. And we're also starting a mission podcasting course. So it sounds like we got to move to Kajabi. But during our homework, I interviewed other um, creators, other creators who are monetizing their knowledge. And they all kind of pointed back to Kajabi. And I was like, oh, but does it have this? Because it's kind of a feature of usually another platform. Does it have email? Like, yes, it does. Does it have community? Yes, it does. Does it have a video library where I can store my video tutorials? Yes, it does. Does it have a documents library where I can store my uh, documents, like my guides and my link outs that I want my customers to have? Like, yes, it does. And so it's they said it's all these things that you would otherwise have to buy and put together. But each of these things usually has like an industry leader, right? There's industry leaders in emails. There's industry leaders in forums. There's industry leaders in video deliver, deliverability. What is your strategy when you approach these components? Because these components come together, of course, to make what you guys make. Yeah, yeah. I think um, so. One, one, one thing might be of uh, interest to your viewers is you have to pay for these things <laughs> if you go out in the market and buy for active campaign, MailChimp, um, you want to go, uh, you know, Storage, Vimeo yeah. for like video, yeah. you don't have to pay us anything. We It's included in the plan. Uh, it all comes down to the user experience. So make sure that users can easily navigate between like feature to feature. So broadly, we have courses, we have coaching, we have podcasts, um, you can store videos, you can send emails. You can manage your contacts. Uh, you can run marketing campaigns. You can build landing pages. We have a full-fledged website builder. And we have put in a lot of effort in scaling up our uh, design groups and UX research to make sure that the user experiences are pretty seamless. And again, like I wouldn't say like we're, you know, we're there yet. I think we have to still more work through because Kajabi is a complicated product. There's no way... There's no two ways to say about it. Right? I think it's yeah. a it's a complicated product. Yeah, it's many different tools that you can buy That's individually, right. and you've and you've 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 pulled all this expertise together. That's right, and we have you know we have uh, I think if you look at the tool right now, there's a product creation wizard which was not there before, uh, so that it's it sort of helps customers go from step one, step two, step three, and to your point, not requiring like uh, knowledge to prior knowledge to like sort of navigate the tool. So that'll be a continued investment this year, next year, um, and so on and so forth. But it's a combination of, uh, we. I don't think we'll ever like give up the all-in-one value proposition of Kajabi because that's the, the strongest value proposition. We'll continue to build tools in-house that customers need and offer it as part of plans. And that's going to be our strategy. Um, and combine that with a really solid user experience as people navigate from page to page and you know get their business setup. How, how do you build and set up your team to handle this? Is like, is there like different prod product domains? Like you, is that what you call them? Like product domains? How do you attack this problem? Oh yeah. Yeah. Great question. Yeah. So organizationally, the way we have is we have long live, small, but long live product development teams, each with a sort of specified charter. So for example, take emails. Mm-hmm. So there's a team called marketing tools and all they do is 
the features that uh, customers need to manage contacts and emails, campaigns, all that. That's their only focus. Mm. So each one, uh, there are like multiple vertical teams that handle specific parts of the application. And there are horizontal teams that make sure these teams are sort of gluing, coming together the right way. So for example, the UX teams are the glue and the uh, the support teams are the glue and the marketing teams are the glue. So they make sure that when teams build stuff, you know, it, it kind of like works seamlessly. When you think about the support side, because that's like the spine, the spine that holds this together. Because this is something I was thinking about as a creator is like, I don't really want to answer technical questions. Like that is yeah, yeah, yeah. straight up. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like we were um, when we were talking about, I was talking about with my uh, with my business partner who were going into like possibly do the courses. Mission would have the same thing. If we were to build this course is like the problems of the tool. We, well, this is something we thought about and like, we don't want the problems of the tool to become our problem. Meaning I don't want someone to ask me like, why is my file not uploading? I'm like, Ugh. yeah, yeah. I couldn't answer that. You know what yeah. I mean? How do you guys view support? Do you only, cause you support not just the creator, but the students, right? Like the students can, if they, if there's a tech problem, do they, can they reach out to you? Well, uh, so typically we only go through the customers. So if like you have, okay. you will reach out. Uh, but again, like, you know, we have tons of like online help articles that explain clearly if your email is not getting delivered, if you had to like reset a login, whatever. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, all that's like online is available. And our customer support team, I would argue, is probably the best in the industry. Uh, that's actually, I would say, like along with the all-in-one value proposition and the sort of the system that we have built to support scale, customer support, I, I don't think anybody else has a better customer support team than we do. So it's like not out of the realm of possibility where they would help out your customers too. So if you had say, gotcha. hey, I can't like do this. Can you just like jump on a call with me and answer this for my customers? And absolutely. And we also like started to explore other sort of paid options that will enable use cases like that, but not, nothing solidified yet. But we're thinking like, you know, if this becomes a constant ask, um, then I wouldn't be surprised if we offer that as a, hey, you know, you pay us a little bit more and we'll like be your customer support team because I, I do think we have one of the best in the house. Well, I'll tell you what, absence of problem usually indicates great engineering too. So if you're saying this is not a problem right now, <laughs> it's also indicative of great engineering because of course, if the product works, I mean, that's really what everyone wants is they want it to work. For yourself, how did you get, you know, you mentioned you came to Kajabi more recently. It's been around since 10 years, for 10 years or more. What made you get interested in this business? Because this is, a, you know, it's a, it's unique. It's the same software, software, right? But it is unique. It serves an interesting uh, dynamic, and it's a market that was—I mean—is it fair to say underserved? I mean, it didn't it's, it didn't feel like ten years ago? They didn't feel like a lot of creators trying to monetize their skills, right? With the advent of Skillshare, Fiverr, like it started building this like creator economy of of sorts, and Kajabi was there like to rise with it. What brought you over? For sure, I, I think the uh, I was sold. Um, after I talked to the, the the founders and the executive team, and the big reason being, I was looking at if you if you look at the um, Kajabi's hypothesis is most creators who build quality content, who build and like deliver quality content, are monetizing it in a uh, really suboptimal way. So they mm. go for ad revenue or influencer deals or brand deals. None of them, that's not going to scale right now. So if you look at social media platforms, the average dollar made is like very, very low. Mm -hmm. So when Kenny, who's the founder and now is the chairman of the board, uh, when he explained to me, hey, 
you know, if you look at these, like all these folks creating content, creating, trying to monetize their knowledge, they're all doing it in a suboptimal way. And we, our customers, you know, they make more money than your average creator who's like leaning on social media networks, right? Plus the other thing is they're leaning on the algorithm that drive their results and search results and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. We don't have any of that. Um, and so you know, with, with us, if you're on Kajabi, like you are really controlling your own destiny. You have your own brand. You don't, you're not like bound by some invisible algorithm that determines if people see you or not. And uh, you don't have to compete side by side with other creators. For example, look at Udemy or Coursera, like sure. they manage the discoverability of courses, which we don't have or creators. Uh, so that's one thing that was like, oh, that's like, a, that's this. And I was, I joined at the peak of the pand pandemic <laughs> and our business just went crazy during the pandemic because everybody dropped out of the workforce and was like, hey, I want to like explore becoming an entrepreneur. And so com like big opportunity combined with uh, a company that actually knows how to succeed in this in this market, and the company itself was run very very efficiently. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't spend a ton of dollars just to grow. We're very very conservative when it comes to how to grow. Um, so so all that combined, and like you know, they wanted somebody to scale the engineering team, and I'm like, okay, well, it sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> When you first arrived on the scene and you said, hey, because the company was already, like you mentioned, it was already on, in operation since 2010. They've come a long way prior to you stepping mm -hmm. in. But of course, with anything in software, it's never, software's never done. You know, it For just, sure. it's just where you are today. Like here we are today. This is what's been completed and this is where we have to go. What were some of the things you observed right away where you thought, hey, if we do a couple of these things, we're, we'll be able to leap forward. I'd love to hear some of the things that you uh, and your team decided to implement and be like, oh, this is going to be killer. For sure. I, and I will, I'll talk about it from an engineering standpoint. So one of the biggest issues that we had when I first joined was the app was not set up to scale. We would, our system would tip over every week or every other week, mm. causing a lot of like angst and confusion and anger from customers, rightfully so, because right? you're like, <laughs> you're losing dollars every time the system is down. Yeah. So that was one big problem that I decided, okay, we got to like tackle that first. We, gotta, we have to make sure that, you know, we don't, we don't go down. Um, so that kicked off uh, a bunch of like short-term projects and the longer-term project that ended up uh, us moving to AWS. Like that was one big thing that, um, that we put into play. The other big thing, this is like in partnership with product marketing and everybody else is Kajabi was, the engineering team was about 40 when I joined. Now it's 110 across multiple geos. <laughs> so one, one of the issues that I noticed when I joined was the engineering team was um, was more like loosely defined. Like, you know, we talked about like specific focus areas for specific product areas. Like we didn't have those when I joined. So that's another change that we, we put into place along with sort of partnering with the rest of the organization is, hey, you were responsible for marketing tools. Like you have no other job. Like you're responsible for coaching. You have no other job besides just innovating and delivering on coaching. And that has definitely helped us like deliver all these features that were delivered in the last two years. So I would say like those two are the big shifts that we did in terms of sort of getting set up for success. For yourself, was there any like guess, pushback or resistance? Did people enjoy working? Like you say, there's loosely defined. So it sounds like I would work on maybe 
multiple products. Like I, I'm, I got the Kajabi website open right now, and like maybe I'm working on payments one day, and then I jump over to websites and I jump over to emails. You know what I mean? Like oh, for for sure. That's- was there a lot of resistance? Like hey, I like yeah. variety, Mahesh, man. You but you're, you're pigeonholing me, dude. What is it? There, there was a little bit of that for sure. <laughs> um, but but we made that also happen, right? Like if you say, hey, I'm bored in this team, we'll make like internal moves happen. Actually, one big change that uh, I didn't mention and I was describing this is 24 by 7 on-call support. So that was definitely a change for the engineering team. Uh, the engineering team like didn't like push back on it, saying, hey, yes, we want to do this because it helps support customers and helps us react to uh, production incidents better. Uh, but there was like uncertainty in, okay, how does this all like play out, you know, in practice? So that took a bit of, you know, uh, sort of training and like you know, sort of me jumping into some of these incidents in the early early days, just make, making sure that teams feel that they're supported and they know there's uh, there's a path forward. So there's like definitely like some pushback, but I wouldn't say like broad pushback because every every decision we make in the company, including engineering, is through the lens of what works for the customer. Mm. And all the changes we did were all in service of making our customers more successful. Uh, and getting more customers on the platform. So there's not, I would have said it's like broad pushback to it. That makes sense. Were you taught? So like, there's two things you said that I know many different CTOs implement, despite what a lot of, I would say, uh, people outside the world, outside the world tech think. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask you where you taught this, but what I'm at, what I want to know is like, first of all, scale, speed, and reliability. Mm -hmm. It is not sexy, but I've never met, we've yet to interview a CTO on the show that said that didn't help the company a great deal, right? <laughs> <laughs> All of them say it, right? But yet when you, if you were on the outside world talking to like an app developer, like, oh, I got to add a feature. I got to add this. And it's like, ugh, scale, speed, reliability, right? The other thing was focusing your product teams into like a narrow window, narrow lens of hyper-focus. Mm-hmm. Many people think like variety or maybe people think like, hey, features are just listen to customers, but it's like this, it's usually... We see it time and time again. It's like it's a scale, speed, reliability, and laser focus on what you said. Like it has to fit in the spine mm-hmm. because all of these products, there's already possibly a category leader like in email. Mm-hmm. There's a category leader in landing pages. There's always category leaders, but you've always said, "Hey, this is tied together. How we tie it together is the primary focus plus scale, speed, and reliability." And so I want to know: Did someone teach who taught that to you, or is that just acquired through experience? Just saying, like, "Hey, man." Every time I do this, it works. Well, I mean, I would I would probably give credit to Amazon because that's where I learned most of this playbook. Yeah. Amazon has seen success at scale with, you know, what they call uh, two pizza teams. <laughs> yeah. So you heard of the concept, right? So Yeah, you can never have a team bigger or excuse me, a team shouldn't be so big that you can't feed them with just two pizzas. Two pizzas, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so two pizza teams with like laser focus on a specific part of the problem space combined with like operational excellence. This is all like Amazon's playbook. And and I it was a, this is like probably the third company that I've implemented this playbook and it's worked every time. So I'm like, you know, we don't have to change it until somebody <laughs> tells me that that the operational excellence has become a commodity now that you know you get it for free if you do X, Y, and Z. Right. Like for example, if you think back to the data center days, um, you need to hire people who like keep those data centers up and running. Sure. And I've seen those before, but you don't need them anymore. So <laughs> if it if somehow like 
engineering leadership becomes a commodity to a certain extent, maybe it'll, my point of view will change. <laughs> you know, until then, like, I'm always going to focus on what you just said. <laughs> that makes complete sense. For yourself, uh, you know, we did a little homework on you. And when we say a little homework, we, of course, mean LinkedIn. Uh, it looks like you studied in India. You came to the States. Uh, give us an idea. Did you did you always know that this is what you were going to be doing? Did you know? I guess, really, did you know you were going to be a CTO, like overseeing oh, one of the fastest no. growth companies? Did you think you were just going to be engineering a couple things? Like, give us an idea of what you were thinking when you first got into this game. No, no, not at all. I had no idea I'll be here, what I'm doing. <laughs> so... In the like early days, my career trajectory was pretty traditional. So, you know, developer, senior developer kind of like moved up the ranks. And when my time at Fidelity, one of my managers there said, hey, you, you know, you have a, you have a knack for convincing people to do what they don't want to do. So you should, <laughs> That's a great skill. That's a great skill. You should, uh, you should try your hand at management. So you gave me a small team to manage. And, and since then, I've like stayed on that track. And at Amazon, was I would call it like, you know, that's where I really learned most of my management skills. And after that, I just wanted to see, can I, you know, can I keep scaling it up? Uh, it's like, I don't know if you've seen uh, Breaking Bad. I'm a big fan of the show. Yeah, I'm a big fan. But in Breaking Bad, in the final episode, like Skylar asks him, why do you do, why do you do all this? Right. And then don't say you did it for the family or whatever. So in the final episode, he accepts why he did it. He did it because he's good at it. Yeah. And essentially that's my philosophy too. Like I'm good at what, you know, what I do. So I'm just going to keep doing it until I figure out that either I'm bored or I need to do something else, essentially. <laughs> it's funny how you mentioned that uh, for those who haven't seen Breaking Bad, which I'm, I believe is a small subset, but Walter White, he becomes a drug dealer at first to support his family because he's dying, but then he doesn't stop doing it and he keeps getting... He keeps getting more and more aggressive in the game. And at no point, this is what's interesting about the Walter White character, which people enjoyed watching, is it wasn't clear if he wanted the fruits of his, like he had all this money, but he never stopped. He never stopped. And he like, it's, he's, there's famous scenes of him burying money. Like, like he doesn't, he cannot spend it and he doesn't spend it. He doesn't, he drives that uh, old Aztec. Sorry if you have an Aztec. I mean, it's, it was chosen for the show because it's like one of the ugliest cars on earth. So if you got one, I'm sorry. But uh, <laughs> but that's what he's known for. Right. And so like for you, it sounds like this sounds like, uh, you know, you just you like seeing your knowledge and teams just keep growing. The other thing I know we observed about you over your career is you, you have previously worked in bigger companies, more established companies, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like a Vanguard. You mentioned Fidelity, AWS. By the time you got there, it was already quite large. Mm -hmm. Is this the first you, know, you mentioned 40 to 110? I mean, that's almost triple. Is this the first? rapid scaling organization you were part of. I saw another experience of Smartsheet. So I didn't know like how did, cause I'm going to ask you, how did you develop your knack for hiring? Cause that's the next question. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so Smartsheet was, I joined maybe like five months before the IPO. So still we, you know, we scaled that company and the systems a lot. Like I, even after that, um, I was hired to run the Boston team or build the Boston team. So built that up from like zero to I think by the time I left, Across two sites, the my org was about like hundred or so. Okay. But I would say like you know I think Kajabi is faster growing than than Smartsheet was when I joined them. It's like something to be said about getting companies to hit milestones. So you know we're in the pre-IPO 
zone, right? So we raise all the money we we need. We don't need to raise any more money. So we're trying to. So what is the next milestone? Is like super exciting. So being part of that journey will is something that that I want to like experience and see how that looks like. Yeah, because at forty, so when you took over, you said you, or you when you joined the company, you mentioned forty engineers approximately. Mm-hmm. So I mean, obviously, your you know your impact is greater when there's fewer people, right? Your impact is greater. How did you develop your knack for hiring? Because when you're small, this is a this is a truth too that many small businesses know is like number one, your limits to hire are smaller, right? And then the mm-hmm. impact they have is bigger. So making a mishire is really bad, and making a great hire is a force multiplier. So you have to be really good at hiring. What are some of the things you look for in engineers? How did you develop that skill? Yeah, yeah. And again, like a lot of it is um, sort of variations of what I did or I learned at Amazon. So a few things, right? One is, I think having a rock solid recruiting team as your partner is, is you know, nothing can beat that. And I, okay. I think I've had it at Smartsheet. I've had it here too. Um, so they'll, having a solid partner is is like the best thing. The second piece, what I would do is, I typically like hire my directs first, like the VP director folks that I have known from the past. Gotcha. So I know that these people can scale. I know that these people can hire. So I almost always like focus on that first so that I can get them into the door so that they can like start scaling and hiring and so on and so forth. And the one thing that I don't think we did it did here at Kajabi, we did at Smartsheet was I did a ton of recruiting events, which is like, Invite people to the office. We'll give them free food and beer and wine. Talk about the <laughs> stuff we're building, and essentially, like you know, treating recruiting like a marketing exercise, and that has worked out well too. Like we were able to like scale very very quickly. So those, and then you know, I think the the thing that I like to emphasize on, which I think resonates really really well with engineering folks, is autonomy. You have the autonomy to pick and choose what tools and technologies you want to use. So for example, Kajabi traditionally has been a Ruby on Rails shop, but uh, running on Heroku, which is also like designed for Ruby on Rails oh, predominantly. We got to give a shout out to our sponsor, Salesforce, running on Heroku. Salesforce, They'll love that. Yeah. They'll love that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, Salesforce, you were great, but you know we just outgrew Heroku. So we're on AWS now, sorry. Um, Salesforce, have been, they have been a great partner, though. I think uh, yeah. you know when we were, as I mentioned in the early days, when we were having all these production issues, they were like side by side with us, trying to help out, help us figure things out. So I think like giving teams. Sorry, sorry. I'm going back to what Kajabi here is doing. Now teams are not just on Ruby on Rails. There's like teams that are exploring Go. There are teams that are exploring uh, other languages and so on and so forth. So giving engineers like the flexibility to pick and choose what they want has resonated well with everybody that has I have recruited in the last like, you know, few years. So I think, yeah, so there's like to summarize, like having a strong recruiting team, having an opinionated recruiting process where you clearly define what makes a senior engineer, what makes a staff engineer, what makes a principal engineer, written down rules for interviews, and like just hiring solid leaders who can who can scale. Uh, I think those are the things that I have done. So this is one of the things that a lot of companies and leaders and businesses struggle with, which is certainly there's new technologies being, they're emerging all the time. New technologies are being developed, new languages are being developed and created Mm -hmm. as always. And that sounds awesome that I can explore. And if I was working under Mahesh, I could be like, hey man, I figured something out. I'm gonna name, I'm gonna make up something. I found Gecko, 
Gecko is the newest language. I wrote everything in Gecko. It kill it crushes. And you confirm that it's great. But someone else might bring another language that's also great. How do you choose to bring it together? What do, what are some of your criteria for saying like, hey, yeah, this is how we bring it together. So th- this is where you know this is where some of the company values come into play, right? So you know we want people to be amb- so our company values. We want people to be ambitious. We also want people to deliver results. So we also want people to foster belonging. So you know the rule of thumb in at least in my world is if you can convince your team that this is a good idea, then you can go ahead and and execute on it. But if you can't convince even a single person that this is the good idea, then, uh, then it doesn't matter what I say. Um, typically, like the way I, the way I think about decision making at my level is, I tend to make fewer decisions but more high quality decisions. I kind of defer the day to day decision making to the teams, which is why, like, if you no. Know, Nobody can use me as a, hey, the CTO told me it's okay, right? So I usually like, send them back to the team and then go, do your colleagues think it's a good idea? And if they say, yeah, then sure, you don't have to ask me. You're just like, you know, uh, I do like have some broad guidelines. For example, you have to be on AWS. Like that's my thing. You have to be there because adopting a new platform is going to be expensive or potentially expensive um, and uptime of three nines at the minimum. Gotcha. So you have to make sure... 99.9 time percent of the time the app is up um, and if you can guarantee some of these things and good user experience your page doesn't take like seconds to load loads in like under <laughs> millisecond you know stuff like that then it's fine you can just use whatever you want yeah yeah that I mean that brings into the next question which is like how do you decide on your features to expand upon because this is this is something a lot of CTOs you know they mm-hmm. you know it's easy to say I want to listen to my customers but the reality is when you get to a certain scale which you're at now customers say different things so they all want something else right <laughs> so oh, for sure to, for sure you have to make bets in arenas how do you choose yeah how to build this product because you hit the nail on the head which is your whole goal is to be we're an all in one Mm-hmm. Meaning we have, it's got to unify and be together. And in the future, you can't predict the future, but there's probably going to be new methods that people prefer learning. And it's going to be something that you're going to have to build in Kajabi, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you choose to make these features and investments? Because if you listen to the crowd, the problem is you have a big enough crowd now where everyone's probably asking for something different. I don't know. I don't know if there's clearly in right. data a winner. Right. There's right. not always a winner. Like that's what, that's what people always, when people say like, oh, I'm data driven. It's like, well, you're always telling me that data will give a definitive choice, but what if it doesn't? <laughs> How do you make decisions then? Right, right. Uh, and again, like you know, I'll give credit to the product teams because they are a close partner in this. The way we think about things is there are, you know, the company where Kajabi, the state of the company where Kajabi is right now, right? Like we can't not grow step function changes every year, right? So we can't be us uh, like five percent growth every year you know, the market's going to punish us if that's our thinking, right? So for the last 10 years or so, the company has been like growing steadily, but not double-digit growth. So since the pandemic, it has become like double-digit growth. So our view is always, how do you grow this business in a step function manner? Mm. So that means you make a combination of big bets that can move the needle dramatically. And then you make a bunch of medium-sized bets or like sure wins, right? And that is almost always customer feedback. So we take all the customer feedback uh, and we also do like jobs to be done interviews. The market, the UX research team does a lot of like interviews like that. So customers might say, I want X. Jobs to be done indicates they want X, but 
they actually are trying to solve for why. Mm-hmm. And we digest all that and we come up, come up with a set of, uh, set of features. So, and then the big bets are always going to be things that change the trajectory of the business dramatically. And so, yeah, we typically tend to do both. Gotcha. And, and then how do you give us an idea of how you make these decisions? Like what goes behind your decision process? You kind of mentioned the smaller bets. That's understood. How do you choose what to invest in on the big ones? Because that's that's pretty cool. Like that that's and that that's to make the leaps. Yeah. So the and again, this is my personal opinion. Uh, so if you look at things that can change the trajectory of a company dramatically in a short window of time, which is like say two years, one two, one to two years, right? It's only a few things you can that can do it. Pricing and packaging. You change the way you package and sell or price it. That's number one. Uh, number two, you do a brand new product line. Yeah, new product. So lines. you know, like you have Amazon sells e-commerce stuff. Boom! I'm going to do AWS. It's a new product line, new business. You scale like that. Or three, you go international. You go to a new geo, sort of connected to the pricing and packaging. You price it differently. Let's say you go to India, for example. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of customers there. We can price it differently, and then we can grow there. And or M and A's. You acquire companies that change your footprint in the market. Like you have a you have a strategic advantage because you have this company now. So all the delighters after that will not make step function changes, right? They'll like incrementally add value over time. Sure. So we categorize the big bets into these buckets. We as in the senior exec team. So we look at it like every year and say, okay, in these categories of things, where do we all think that's like the most interest, right? So, and then we decide, okay, pricing and packaging, maybe we have to introduce Maybe we'll introduce a new plan, maybe a new higher end plan, maybe a new lower end plan, or maybe we change the way we charge for add-ons, right? Like stuff like that. We decide at the exact level. Again, we'll validate it with customers. We'll like validate it through the internal leadership team. But the big bets are almost always like generated or decided upon by the by the exact team and like validated through like research and so on and so forth. That is awesome. That is awesome. You, by the way, you are basically a walking, talking example of uh, good to great. Uh, we are at Mission. We've mentioned in our previous episodes, we're doing good to great and what makes good to great leaders. And like the things you are saying, like just literally slot into that book uh, as a living example of its role model. So you should give yourself, you know, you mentioned you, you do it because you love seeing things grow. And like, well, there's actually like you're actually walking a path that is like a proven growth model, too. So <laughs> you're like you're living and breathing it, man. Oh, thanks for the word of confidence. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Mahesh, it was awesome having you on IT Visionary, sharing what Kajabi's up to, sharing how you make bets, how you think about marketplaces, how you built and focus teams. You know, it's I was personally, you know, I reached out to you via LinkedIn because I wanted you on this because in truth, I didn't really, I knew about it, but I didn't know much about it. But when I started doing meeting people to like help me choose what platform to launch on, Kajabi came up over and over again. And they're like, I got to meet this guy. How does this guy have everyone saying great things? Because it's very rare. It's very rare in software. Most people disagree on what, what to use. You got to admit that. You got <laughs> to. I didn't meet any creator that I thought was good at their job that recommended something else. So I'm like, okay, this sounds easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would, for sure. I think a uh, huge shout out to our customers, right? Because they're the ones that have made all this possible, or like their faith in the platform. And my hope is we continue to serve them well and continue to serve everybody who's exploring, like you, for example, yourself, 
Self-well. If you have any issues, you can like email me. I'll make yeah, sure. Listen, we're, we're gonna start. We're gonna start a mission course on Kajabi if you want. We'll okay. hey, listen. We'll get. I'll give updates every week about how awesome it is. <laughs> I also might complain about it if it's broken. So tell your team. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> again, uh, over the years, I've trained myself to take bullets from customers. I'm like, I'm like totally trained on that. So you know, I'm good. <laughs> well, you know, it was awesome having you today on IT Visionaries. But before we let you go, though, we want to know a little bit more about you. It's time for the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to us by Salesforce Platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Mahesh, this is where we ask you questions outside of the world of work. Okay. So our audience can get to know you a little bit better. You ready? Okay, go for it. All right. Do you drink your own champagne? Have you built your own course on Kajabi? Partially. <laughs> I didn't get to finish it. Ship it. Ship it, man. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> what do you like to do outside of work? Two big hobbies are running and reading and maybe writing too. What do you like to read? Everything. Most fiction, nonfiction, everything. What's something you read recently that you thought was pretty good? Uh, I started reading, um, uh, I'm a big fan of Stephen King. I think I've read all of his works. Um, and he got a new book out called Fairy Tales. So I started reading that. And so far, it's been, it's been great. I, I would recommend it. Is it one of his horror stories? or Because he writes, most people know him from horror, but he does write non-horror stories. Yeah, so I would categorize this as more fantasy type story. So I would recommend it. Awesome. So when you said you like running, what kind of distance do you like to run? Oh, I uh, I aim for between four and five miles like every other day, if I can. So that's usually my <laughs> usually my length. What's your pace? Uh, I do, on a good day, I can do like 8.30 is the, is the thing that I'm like comfortable with. That's all. If I can run, like if I sprint, I'll get it. I can get it to eight, but I'll be like super tired. But I aim for like 830 is what I would aim for. I mean, that's a pretty good pace. When you run, are you, uh, I listen to music guy or are you a clear my head? I just want to hear my feet hitting the ground guy. No, I just want to hear the feet hitting the ground. And I'm in Orange County. I can also hear the coyotes too. So um, (laughs) they definitely like clear my mind. Like that's the big reason. I don't want any distractions, no music, nothing. I just want to hear my breathing and my feet. That's all I do. Awesome. We looked you up a little bit. So did you grow up in India? I did until I came here to Wayne State to do my master's. How did you choose Wayne State? That's what I wanted to ask. Oh, I can't. I, the honest answer is just followed my friends. I didn't have any idea <laughs> if this is a good school or not. I just like was in that phase. Hey, hey I want to do, I want to get out of the house. Like, what do I do? Okay, I will follow my friends to Detroit, which was an interesting choice is what I would say. <laughs> well, listen, I, the reason why I had to ask you is my father is he grew up, he was born in China. They immigrated to Taiwan. And when he chose his university, he went to University of Wyoming. I'm like, dad, in your time frame, I don't think they were very friendly to Asians. How did you choose this? <laughs> and he said, and he said, he saw a brochure and there was mountains and it looked pretty. <laughs> his decision criteria sounds like yours at the time. You know what I mean? Like, pretty well, much. everyone else is doing it. Like, it sounds good. Pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> Mahesh, it was awesome having you on the show. Thanks for opening up. Thanks for kind of sharing your process for how you make decisions. I agree. Reliability, speed, scale, super unsexy. Like a lot of people think for whatever reason that, hey, the next feature is going to carry me over the top. But it sounds like, hey, man, at the end of the day, people just want software that really works well. And, That's and right. They just, if it works great, usually you're on your way. That's right. That's right. Especially when there's money involved, money flowing through your system. <laughs> I agree. 
Oh yeah, if there's customers that if I if my money depends on this thing working and it's not working, I'm gonna be mad. I'll be very mad. That's right. That's right. That's right. Mesh, it was awesome having you today on IT Visionaries. Hey, listen, we're psyched to do a course. We're doing one right now. We are going to. I'm going to declare it now. We will build it on Kajabi, and I plan on giving updates about this on IT Visionaries. So tell your tell your crew to be prepared. And you can reach out to me anytime if you need help. Hey, listen, and put me on your podcast too, because you got the Kajabi Creators podcast over there. Hey, I'm not a creator yet, but soon I'll, I want to be on it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks for joining us today on IT Visionaries. Thanks for having me.